So unlike a traditional retailer, in online it is challenging to show an overview of all the categories of products and brands that are available on the website. And of course, it's also important not to overwhelm the customer with too much information and too many messages. Hello, everyone, and welcome on this new episode of the House of Marketing's podcast. My name is Jean-Marc. And I'm Eva. And today we meet you again for a bit of a special episode, right? Absolutely. So actually, this episode is the first one of a podcast series on e-commerce. So the House of Marketing partners every year with Safe Shops to publish the e-commerce barometer. Indeed. And we are not alone to talk about this as we have Stephanie Tang with us in the studio today. Hello, Stephanie. Hey, guys. Um, so, Stephanie, first of all, could you tell us a bit more about yourself? Sure. So my name is Stephanie and I'm a senior consultant at the House of Marketing. I've been working here uh, since 2017. Nice. So uh, now we mentioned the e-commerce barometer. Could you maybe explain a little bit more what it is for uh, the few people who don't know it yet? Uh, yes, of course. So as you mentioned, the e-commerce barometer is published actually every year by the House of Marketing and Safe Shops. And this year we are publishing already the fifth edition. Um, in a nutshell, the barometer reveals the performance of Belgium-based online merchants through data we collect from payment service providers. And this year, we thought about putting some successful Belgian e-commerce leaders um, in the spotlight so they could share with us how they tackle opportunities and threats in this growing but um, competitive market. And of course, you know, um, the impact of the COVID crisis. That's super interesting, right? Yeah, indeed. So very concretely, for the next four weeks, we will publish a new discussion that Stephanie had with a company to see how they tackle e-commerce and how you can too. Absolutely. All right. So who do we get to know first? Well, Eva, so in this first episode, I will be talking with Marine Rosé from Casidomi. Um, Marine is sharing with us how Casidomi managed to triple their revenues during the, the crisis and also how they have been increasing the average basket value. And also she's telling us how personalization is important for this, their business, uh, which is a pure online retail business, right? Because they have access to tons of information that an offline retailer wouldn't have access to. All right, nice, let's go. Hi, Marine. Welcome to the House of Marketing and thank you so much for accepting our invitation. Well, thanks for having me. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us what Gazidomi is all about? Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Marine. Um, I'm the Retention and Partnership Manager at Gazidomi. Uh, so what is Gazidomi? Gazidomi is an e-shop with a wide range of healthy and organic products going from food to natural cosmetics, but also supplements. Mm -hmm. And my role at Casidomi, so I have two key responsibilities. The first one is to make sure uh, that our customers become really fan of our service. So providing them the best experience ever to keep them loyal and make them come back. These are two really important goals to be successful and to have a sustainable growth. And then my second hat is to build high value partnerships. So it can be with ambassadors, influencers, companies, and I will make sure to find the right partner for strong and really long-term uh, relationships. 
Okay, great. And since when does Kazidomi exist? How has it all started? So it all started four years ago. Emna, uh, so the co-founder and current CEO of Kazidomi, was still a student at Solvay, a Belgian business school. And since she was a child, um, it was her dream to open one day a shop where anyone could trust all the products and shop any of them without checking all the tags, the ingredients, etc. And her dream came true as it was her thesis to launch an e-shop. And as soon as she graduated, she launched it. And how many references are you selling online now? Um, can you maybe name a few brands? Yeah, sure. So at the moment, we have 3,500 references, knowing that one year ago we had only 2,500. Mm -hmm. And we have 200 products in our own brand, Casidomi. So in total, we have 350 brands from 210 suppliers. So a few brands that, that we have, um, it might be Funky Veggie, for example. It's a French brand with only natural ingredients. Then we have Jimber, which is a Belgian brand that created a kind of syrup made with ginger. Mm -hmm. uh, and for cosmetics, we have Okahan, um, which is made out of natural cosmetic with CBD made from the flower of cannabis. Okay, and uh, can you tell us how big the Kazidomi member um, community is? Yeah, so I cannot disclose the exact number, but we have tens of thousands of members. And to give you an idea, every month uh, our members represent 80% of our buyers and the, 10 and the 20% remaining are customers that don't have the membership. So our membership works really as a loyalty card that gives you access to different advantages for a yearly fixed price. And um, if I'm not mistaken, deliveries are never free at Kazidomi, neither for members? Yeah, you're right. But we're working on that. So currently, the minimum delivery price is, is 1.69 euro, depending on your basket value. And we are seeing how we can improve the experience of our members even more. So we have to make sure to have a very differ differentiated approach towards our members versus non-members, because today it's exactly the same pricing for both. And maybe to better understand your logistic um, challenges, can you tell us how many orders you are dealing uh, per day? And I know that you're selling, you know, dry food uh, like pasta and cans of food. I can imagine that um, the average order is pretty heavy. Yeah, so we have about 400 orders per day and the average weight of uh, one order is 7.5 kilo. And there are different ways to get delivered. Um, I know that you can get it delivered uh, at home, but also in uh, relay points, right? What is the, the proportion? And maybe has COVID impacted that? Yeah, so we see an increase in um, delivery to home versus relay points. And today our, uh, our split is 80% for home and 20% for relay point. Okay, so I was one of those 80% uh, who got delivered at home last week. And to be honest, I was very surprised to see uh, how few packaging you were using, although I bought uh, tomato sauce and, and all. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel Kazidomi is a very sustainable brand because you know you're selling um, healthy and organic products. So I feel like it's part of your customer experience. Uh, but now, how are you able to do that? Because yeah, logistically, it's difficult you don't want to have um, broken products mm -hmm, um, yeah. delivered 
Yeah, exactly. So I think sustainability is really at the heart of our operations. So we really make sure our impact is as little as possible. And we have taken several actions in that perspective. So for example, we grind our suppliers' boxes to use them as protection material in our boxes. Mm -hmm. Then we also have developed our own different protections in cardboard that allows us to pack and to protect bottles using way less wrapping paper than our competitors. Um, and then uh, we also, for example, plastic protections like bubbles and stuff, it has been banned from our warehouse for a very long time. Um, and uh, we also have some partners like Shipper, and that's the one you got for your delivery, mm -hmm. that goes straight from the warehouse to the customer. And then for these kind of orders, we, we don't need uh, to put that much protection. So that, that makes it even more sustainable. Okay, yeah, that was probably that. And uh, now, of course, a question that I have to ask you is how has COVID-19 and the two lockdowns in Belgium affected Um, your online business, uh, both, I would say, from a supply and uh, demand point of view? Yes, so for from a demand point of view, our revenues have tripled versus last year during the, last, the lockdown. And from a supply point of view, we have been very cautious and we have increased our stock just before the crisis really happened. So we managed to keep a very low out of stock, keeping it away always under 6%. In the total catalog, whereas if you look at the competition or even just other companies, um, some of them were reaching 50% out of stock, especially in the food industry. So you're saying that you have anticipated the lockdown. Yeah. What was the secret? How did you see that coming? We were following very closely what was happening in the other countries. And also, uh, you have to, to imagine that we work with dry products with a long shelf life. So for us, it was a no-brainer. Um, it was better for us to, um, to order more to make sure that uh, we would have enough stock just in case. And we have very good relationships with our suppliers. So we just decided to order more. And in the end, we were right. And uh, in terms of uh, consumer behaviors, um, did you notice particular changes in the way people were consuming? So without any surprise, our best sellers were commodities such as flour, pasta, cans of food and basic hygiene products. But we also noticed a higher demand for supplements such as immunity boosters and overall for uh, healthy products. And um, we also saw a huge increase in our members' community with way more new members than what we had expected. And um, why is that so, you think, um, more new online buyers? So I think there are two reasons. First, many were not used to buy groceries online and mm -hmm. were kind of forced to do so during the lockdown. Either the local stores ran out of floor or they wanted to avoid going out. And then the second reason, people turned to Casidami um, is also because they, they were more eager to have a healthier life or a slower life. And they naturally went to Casidami knowing that they could trust us. So um, new members for Casidomi. And in terms of basket value, was there a big difference um, in 2020 versus 2019? Yeah, so our average basket for our members went from 77 euro 
to uh, 48 euros. So indeed, we, we saw the increase. Hey listeners, I quickly jump into the conversation. As you heard, Marine mentioned that uh, the average basket value of Casadomi increased. And so it was not from 77 to 48, but from 77 to 84, from 2019 to 2020. Back to the conversation. And uh, can you tell us what actions you put in place um, that have affected the basket value? So to get there, we worked on several aspects, um, for example, a better customer experience. So we completely changed the design of our website and we have increased the speed. Then, uh, as I was mentioning in the beginning, we went from 2,500 products to 3,500. And also we became way more professional in the use of tools to be able to manage better our marketing automation, recommendation, the personalization, etc. This is quite already a very interesting conversation with Marine Rosé. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I just had a question for you, Stephanie, because we just heard Marine saying that uh, the, the average basket value of Casinomi increased during the, the COVID crisis. Is this really a trend? Because I have the impression that it actually decreased, right? What, what do we have in the e-commerce barometer about that? Well, that's a very good question. Um, we've seen that the average basket value has decreased. So in 2019, it was 96 euro, but it went down to 81 euro in 2020. And um, of course, there are multiple reasons to that. Um, first of all, the travel industry was almost reduced to, to zero. And with that, you know, hotels and tourism in general, where you have bigger basket values in general. Um, and uh, another reason is that consumers can now buy more convenience goods uh, online. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, has a lower basket value um, than, than, than travel. And um, this is, of course, due to the uncertain macroeconomic situation we are living in today. So do you then also see that there are more baskets to be filled so that in general more purchases to be done? Uh, yes, indeed. So we have also noticed um, uh, an increase in the number of transactions. So more transactions, but uh, lower basket value. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah, very interesting. Um, so yeah, more on that in the actual barometer, of course. But for now, let's go back to the conversation, which is getting a bit more specific, I think. Okay, talking about marketing, um, can you share some marketing automation practices with us? Yes, yeah, so in general, we try to focus on relevance and personalization. So in terms of marketing automation, we use Clavio, which is a marketing automation tool to make sure that we always send the right email uh, at the right time to the right person with the right message. And we make sure to, to tailor the message based on historical data, like um, what did he buy, um, in which category, at what moment. And then um, we, we are also working on retention and we want to make sure we will reactivate like our sleepy customers, so people that haven't bought since uh, a few months. Um, so you talked about personalization um, and, and beyond that, um, how do you maintain a positive customer experience 
throughout the whole um, journey because you are a pure player, right? You do everything online. How do you make sure you, you keep that connection with your users? So when people get to your website, they need to find the information very fast or they, they will just leave. So I think the, the rapidity of the website is key and it is still something we are working on. And then the way your website is organized, like the categories, the image, the text zone, it's also important to stay focused and not to overwhelm the customers with too much information. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also have um, a customer happiness team, which is fully dedicated to our customers. And um, can you share with us some of your KPIs that you're um, monitoring, following? Yes, so we have, of course, the sales, the number of members. So these are indicators for our growth. Then we have the NPS, uh, Net Promoter Score, to measure the, the level of satisfaction of our members. Then, of course, the margin, uh, very important from a financial point of view. And then the, the out-of-stock level. Okay, you talked about uh, NPS. How do you measure that? Where in the journey at a specific moment? Is it automated, uh, for example? Do you sometimes, I don't know, make qualitative interviews? Yes, um, so today we are measuring NPS on an automatic basis on two different dimensions. So the first one is customer service. So right after you had a contact with our customer happiness team, we will ask you how the service was. And then the second one is more logistics. So right after you receive your order, we will also ask you your opinion on the delivery. So both of them are automated. And um, what we are missing today is, um, is a more global NPS on Casidomi on the website, like a pop-up that would arrive when, once you are um, doing your shopping to really ask the customer what he thinks uh, of the offer, of the products, of the experience. And so that's something we are currently working on and it should, uh, it should be live very soon. Okay. And um, maybe more about the acquisition part. Um, can you tell us how you are growing your consumer base? What is your top of funnel marketing strategy? Yes, yeah, so we, we invest in digital, digital ads, both on, on Google and on social media. Also digital media, like for example, we had a video with uh, Brut uh, a few months ago. Um, so, but also uh, the, the greatest part of our marketing budget goes to influencer marketing. Mm -hmm. So influencers have played a big role in our acquisition strategy since the very beginning of Casidomi. And uh, today we have two full-time in-house who, who are constantly in touch with, uh, with our influencers. Um, okay, influencer marketing, that's very interesting. Um, can you tell us how you're working with influencers? How do you select them? What's the deal? And um, maybe if you're working with agencies. So today, as I was saying, everything is in-house. Sometimes we have um, we work with agency when it's a big influencer that, um, that does have an agency. But in our current database, we have about 1,000 influencers. Then not all of them are active. We are working very actively with um, around 200 of them. And um, what work and work, what doesn't, we, we worked with nano and micro influencers. 
And these were kind of exception because in the end, what really worked best was uh, influencers with more than 10,000 followers. Mm -hmm. So um, every time that we want to like recruit somebody, we will uh, take a, a very close look at their engagement rate, at their community, at their feed, and we will really make sure that it fits with our target audience. And yeah, so as I was saying, sometimes we go through agency, but we really try to um, to have a direct contact with them. Mm -hmm. And then what is the secret of a, of a great collaboration? Um, I think um, what we noticed in our analysis is that the, the people that are also ordering for themselves on Casidomi on a regular basis, they, they are the true ambassadors. And I think it, it, it's really something which is key. And, um, and something else that we were doing more like before COVID, uh, right now it's a bit complicated, but we were organizing a, a lot of events with our influencers. And our influencers were also super happy to, to meet each other as we are selling products on different segments, it means beauty influencers were meeting food influencers and for them it was something quite unusual and fun because usually they only meet with influencers with kind of the same category. Yeah, I see. And um, how do you boost repeat um, purchases and, and increase customer retention? Can you share with us some tips? Yeah, so the, the concept of membership itself is already a way to retain our customers. As once they have paid the, re the yearly membership, they get an incentive to keep buying at Casidomi because they also want to make their membership profitable. So the system of membership will enable us to increase both the average basket and the purchase frequency. And then to increase our retention, we have made an automatic renewal of the membership and of course, customers can always get the opportunity to cancel it if they don't want to be automatically renewed. But uh, we we already saw an increase of 10% in retention thanks to this automatic flow. And, uh, and also something else, um, recently we have um, recruited a team that calls our customers that have not renewed to both gather feedback to really understand the, the reasons why they didn't renew and then to, um, to, to, to get a chance to win them back. And in terms of optimizing the conversion rate, um, like how can you push consumers to finalize the transaction? Um, do you have some tricks to share? So we have uh, somebody at Casidami who is a growth marketer um, and uh, we do a lot of experimentation with, uh, with our growth team. We have built uh, a framework to run constant experiments with tools such as Google Optimize. Um, and uh, our CRO team aims to have a velocity of around five experiments per month. Okay, so CRO, it's a conversion rate uh, optimization, right? Because, yeah, we yes. love growth marketing at the House of Marketing. Um, maybe can you tell us a little bit more about what you do? You, you've shared some, um, you know, experiments like using um, Google Optimize, but yeah, are there other stuff that you are um, testing? Yeah, so what we really want to know is um, what people are doing on the website. We really mm -hmm. want to, to understand their behavior. 
Um, so that we want to see the impact uh, and the performance of every feature, of every widget, page, etc. We want to see where the site is leaking money. For example, uh, based upon data, we have noticed that uh, our blog was generating a lot of traffic, but that also came with huge bounce rates mm-hmm. and quite a low conversion rate. So then uh, we check where our customers exited. And we noticed that uh, we were leading them to the blog without any guidance, with more additional content um, that could actually lead them to a transaction page. Mm-hmm. So with um, improved UX and copy, we, uh, we were able to decrease bounce rate by 25% and we increased the conversion by 15%. So um, then we, we, we decided that all the landing page should be followed up with a CRO process. Otherwise, it's, it's really like pouring water in a liquid bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. So making sure that there are no dead ends. Exactly, yes. Know. Yeah, okay. And maybe are you considering or already using technologies like AI, voice technology, personalization? Yes. Um, so in terms of personalization, uh, we automatically change our homepage based on the kind of user that is coming on the website. So is he a member or not? We want to, to make sure that the right message is sent to the right customer. So for example, we, we don't want to push the membership to someone who is already a member. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will also offer recommendation both on our website and in our emails based on the, the customer behavior. So for example, if we saw that you, you look interested by mom products will push you that kind of products, whereas for somebody else, it might be more vegan products, for example. Um, And then you also mentioned voice technology. So just um, to to have an idea, last year, half of the online search were voice search. So we, we know it's a huge trend and we are getting prepared for it. Until now, uh, on our website, we were using the tool DoFinder for our product search. And now the idea is to change technology and to go for Algolia. Mm -hmm. And this tool provides solution with voice technology and will be really a game changer for us. It will allow us to stay innovative, to answer our customers' needs and to increase our conversion. And also with SEO, we are going to use conversational language for our content in order to to improve our content for voice. And uh, we also have a tool in place that builds automated landing page based upon long tail keywords and which will also help us to rank better for any type of search. Okay, super interesting and uh, yeah, great project ahead then. And uh, maybe a question, uh, since you are a pure uh, online player, do you think consumers have different expectations from you than from another retailer, for example, who is also active offline? Um, One thing is online. I think it's way easier to to compare all the offers uh, in terms of pricing. Um, So you, you really need to be careful and aware of the competition price. So unlike a traditional retailer, in online it is challenging to show an overview of all the categories of products and brands that are available on the website. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's also important not to overwhelm the customer with too much information and too many messages. So on the other hand, the, the advantage of online is that you can totally adapt 
your website based on the profile of the customer. So is he a new visitor or a member? Has he ever purchased supplements? Did he buy anything in the last three months? What are his favorite products? You can really personalize everything. And all those kind of data are not available for a traditional retailer. So we clearly need to capitalize on this and go very deep in terms of personalization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I understand then why personalization is so uh, important for you as a, um, a pure online player, right? And I saw that the webshop was available in three, three languages, um, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, you are delivering in more than 14 uh, European countries. Um, yeah, I is that so? Yeah, first of all. And uh, are you actively targeting those markets now? So it's correct. Um, the website is indeed available in French, English and in Dutch. But I mean, we, we are also offering delivery in many different European countries. But then in terms of targeting, our main markets today are France and Belgium. And now since a few months, also Holland. If you look at it in terms of sales, it's like 70% France and 30% Belgium. And uh, we just started also targeting the Dutch speaking markets, both in Belgium and in the Netherlands. So today we don't actively target other European markets. We, we would prefer to go step by step and to really understand the market first and then target it and find our customers instead of like going all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, but on, a, on the other hand, it, it would be sad to miss an opportunity. So we have the option to send a parcel to any European countries, but we, we will just not proactively target them. Um, and today we have a few customers coming from other European countries, but that is still a minority. And um, for you, what are the difficulties when going um, abroad, just cross-border? Um, so a first one, and which is the, the most obvious, uh, would be logistics. Mm -hmm. So finding the right logistic partners, asking yourself is if your, your warehouse is located in the right place or if maybe you need an extra one. And then you have the pricing for your products, but also for the membership, for delivery. Every country has different benchmarks for price based on, on the local competitors and the e-commerce actors. So um, you need to find the right place for the right market, the right price, sorry, for the right market. Um, and then um, thirdly, you also have the products and the brands, um, which might be appealing for one country, but maybe not for, for another one. So um, you could also have maybe one supplier that, uh, that accepts to be on your website for one specific market, but not for another one. So again, it, it makes things a bit more complex. Yeah, and in terms of consumer needs and habits, um, what would be the main differences between the Belgian and, and the French market, would you say? Well, um, we have noticed that French customers really like to buy French brands. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas we, uh, as Belgian, we, we are proud to, be, to, to buy Belgian products. But I think we are more open to try products from other countries as well. Um, so on, on our side, as Casidami, we have to make sure that we can find the right balance between local and international or more innovative products. And maybe 
A question for Belgium itself. Do you see a big difference between the French-speaking part and the Flemish-speaking part of, of the country? So in the Flemish-speaking part and in the Netherlands, we are facing a stronger competition and there consumers are used to get free delivery all the time. Um, so, so we feel that this might be an obstacle for them. Um, and uh, for them, it's kind of crazy that um, even the members have to pay for mm -hmm. delivery. And so that, that's why we, we are working on, on this topic. And um, maybe a, a last question before we get into the more personal questions, I would say. Would you consider opening a physical concept store maybe to get the Kazidomi word out there? So maybe one day, but it is not in our short-term timeline. And I think that before doing so, we would first test the concept with a, a pop-up store. Um, that was actually the, the idea at some point, but then COVID happened, so, so we had to, to cancel the idea. But uh, to open a pop-up store would be uh, something we'd like to do at some point to really Uh, to be in contact with our customers because you were mentioning what are the difference between an e-shop and a retailer. It's also that we are never really in contact with them. So it would be a great experience to really um, see them, to understand our, our customers' needs. Um, so yeah, maybe at some point a pop-up store should, uh, should come. Okay, and uh, well, uh, thanks a lot for answering all my questions so far. Uh, so before you go, I would like to ask you a few more questions. Sure. If you're ready for that. Yes. yes. Okay, um, can you tell us a situation where you uh, went over and beyond for a customer? Yes, so it was not me personally, but it was the founders. Um, so it was the very beginning of Gazidomi. Uh, so it, has, it had been launched for only a few months. And uh, it was the Christmas period, and it was at a time where we had maybe like 10 orders per day or something. And just before Christmas, there was a lot of ads on the radio for Martine Fallon's book. And uh, we were selling her book on our website. So a few people bought it on Friday to get it by Saturday which was uh, Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. And um, at that time, our logistic partners were totally overwhelmed because of Christmas time. And we knew that these people won't get it on time. So the founders decided to take their car and to go to every customer's house in Belgium to personally deliver them their orders and to make sure that they, they would have their Christmas gifts on time. Okay, that is a great um, anecdote. And um, how do you stay up to date about e-commerce evolution and, and trends in general? Do you listen to podcasts, for example, um, read some books about it? Yes, so um, first of all, um, I, I, I'm reading a lot of uh, newsletter for uh, digital marketing and growth. And then I, I really love listening to, to podcasts. Um, so I have three favorite ones. It's um, Generation XX, C'est qui la bosse, and Le Gratin de Pauline Legno. Uh, so the first two put female entrepreneurs under the spotlight. And then the, the last one interviews leaders, um, not, not necessarily entrepreneurs in small companies, really um, a lot of different uh, a lot of different 
uh, business owners and it really helps us to understand how they have achieved certain milestones. And you talked about the newsletters, um, about digital marketing. Um, do you have some names to share? Yes, um, so there is uh, Yann Leonardi and uh, Pierre Guilbault. These are the, the two um, favorite ones that I, I follow. And like every week I receive one or two and it's really like concrete examples and tips that you can use in your business. Okay. Um, can you mention a few examples of e-commerce companies that inspire you? Yeah, sure. So um, I think that Zalando is um, a very good example of uh, an e-commerce company with an excellent user experience. Uh, so you receive an email when an article of your wish list is discounted. The information regarding the product is super clear, often with a lot of uh, reviews from customers. And even the, the checkout is also very user friendly. Mm -hmm. And then you have Cool Blue. I'm a bit less fan of the, the design, but um, I think it's super easy to navigate on, on their platform. You can find very easily the, the products that you need. You also have a lot of reviews from, from customers and you can get easily all the information for um, the delivery conditions, like the timing, the price, etc. And the last question, can you describe your best online experience as a consumer? Um, recently, I went to Oh My Cream. Uh, I don't know if you, if you know the website, but it really has a, a wonderful website that gives you the, the feeling to be almost in a real shop. So they explain very clearly their concept and they manage to, to educate the customer in a very cool way. And, um, and they also recently added a chat where the customers can talk with beauty experts. So I think this website is really, really cool. Okay. Well, uh, Marine, thanks a lot for your time and for this very interesting uh, conversation. You're welcome. Um, and see you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was a very fruitful conversation. Absolutely. Very interesting one. Thank you for sharing, uh, Stephanie. You're welcome. So this was the first episode of our e-commerce podcast series. As you can see, we go in depth into the situation of one specific actor every time. But if you would like a more quantitative overview of the Belgium e-commerce landscape, we're very glad to offer it to you, right? Yes, indeed. So as I mentioned in the introduction, we are collaborating with Safe Shops to publish the fifth edition of the e-commerce barometer. It's where we go into detail of a more quantitative description of the market. And it's worth mentioning, it's free to download. You can simply access it from tom.eu slash EBM. That is T-H-O-M dot E-U slash EBM. Yes, you can find this link in the description of the episode. All right, thank you for joining us, Stephanie. It was a real pleasure and I'm looking forward to see you again. Thank you, guys. Bye. And on our next episode? Well, I don't think there is a very a secret, but um, I think that if you, if you have a nice product, um, if you are a genuine and nice brand, 
people want to talk about it, want to try it, want to uh, share it with their community. So that's what happened with Chef Basket.